Good morning again. My name is uh, Marcel Hall, and with my wife Karina, we lead uh, the campus ministry here for our church here. And uh, me and my wife have been married a little over eight years. We have two children, two daughters there, uh, Sanaya and Desiree. Call her baby girl and baby doll. And uh, it's an honor to uh, be able to preach the word this morning. Uh, Reese Nealon and uh, his wife Mary Kay are out of town. They are over, Reese is actually preaching over at our sister church over in the Antelope Valley. And so he's over there. And so now I'll be continuing in our sermon series. And so the title of the lesson today is called Look, Listen, and Learn. Look, listen, and learn. And so that's used for many books and uh, many articles and stuff like that. But I believe that God gave us the scriptures so that we can look, listen, and learn from them. And I pray that that's what we can do today. In fact, let's go ahead and let's pray. Father heaven, thank you so much for your scriptures. Thank you so much for working and intervening throughout history and allowing us this opportunity now to learn and to apply what you want us to so that we can have a great walk with you, a great faith, a great life here on earth, and really a great life that will lead to eternity. I pray right now that we learn from your passages, Father. We absorb them, and Father, inspire us to take it higher, or maybe for the first time in our walk with you. It's in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Turn over to Genesis chapter 18. For those who are visiting here with us, maybe it's your first time, we thank you so much for coming. We love the fact that you are here. We're excited. We've been doing a sermon series from the book of Genesis on a man named Abraham, and uh, we call it the journey of faith, because Abraham was known in the Bible as the father of faith, the father of the Hebrew nation, and serves as a great example for us in our walk with God, our journey of faith with God. And so we've learned a lot, a whole lot, uh, from the series so far. And so we're going to take it up in Genesis chapter 18 where Reese left off. And we're going to actually try to cover a whole chapter and a half. And so I know Reese goes like three or four scriptures. I can't do that. Okay? So we're going to try to cover a whole lot there. So if I, if I go over too much, I'm sorry, but at least you can read on your own. Amen? And so in Genesis chapter 18, let's take it up in verse 16. You guys with me here? Yeah. All right, now, now those of you who know, I like an interactive uh, time. We, we, we need to be interactive. I'm just, I'm talking to you and you're talking right back to me. So you can't be quiet as I'm up here preaching because then it won't go well. You, you know what I'm saying? Plus it's a lot more fun. So as long as we have some good spiritual heckling, then that's good. No, like, you know, mean stuff. Like, bro, that was a terrible point. That, that's just bad. You, you know what I mean? But like, hey, man, come on. Cool. Awesome. Whatever you got, that, that's awesome. I appreciate that. Genesis 18, verse 16. Let's read. It says, when he, before we do this here, well, this is what I want you to do, okay? We're going to read a, a whole bunch of scriptures here. Now, we're not going to read the whole thing through because that would take a long time for us here. But I want you to go, as we're, as we're reading along, as you're, take, as you're taking out your, your pen or papers or your phones or your tablets or whatever you're doing, you're taking note, please take note here. I'm going to give away one of my points here. One of the points is you see the difference between living by faith and not by faith. And so as we read, can you please take note, some observations that stand out to you about the results of living by faith and those who don't live by faith. Can, can we do that? Yeah. 
Okay, did that make sense there? Okay, all right. So let's go ahead and let's read here. Genesis 18, verse 16. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom and Abraham, walked along with them to see them on their way. Abraham had this grand experience there where he's talking to God or at least a, a being that's representing God and two angels there. And so they had just finished this conversation and it says they walked on out. And in verse 17 it says, Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. And all the nations on the earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, and we'll stop right there. Now, I just want to make a quick side note. This is really cool. Because God is, has some plans, and what does he decide to do? He decides, I want to share them with Abraham. Now, you think about what a great friendship or relationship Abraham must have with God. Where God feels like, you know, because you're my friend, and that's what Abraham is called several times throughout the scriptures, he's called God's friend. And we see that relationship right here, why he's called God's friend, because God feels like, hey, I got some plans, and because I love you and I have all these plans for you and the people after you, I'm going to share with you what I'm about to do. That's awesome. I don't know about you, but I want that type of relationship with God. Yeah. I want to have that friendship with God. Now, maybe it's due to his faith or his obedience. We're not sure, but I think we can attain to that relationship. Let's go ahead and keep reading here. Verse 20, then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went toward Sodom, and Ab but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than fifty? Will you destroy the whole city because of five people? If I find forty-five there, he said, I will not destroy it. We'll stop right there. Abraham, many of us are very familiar with this passage here. He, he continues to go down this route. He's like, okay, we started at fifty. Let's take it to forty-five. Next he goes to 40, and then he goes to 30, and he goes to 20, and he gets all the way down to 10. He's like, God, if there's just 10 righteous people, will you really destroy the whole place? God says, if there's 10 righteous people, I'll spare the whole place. You think, wow, that's, that's interesting. Why did he get down there? Well, for those, those of us who haven't been with us for the sermon series, Abraham's nephew, Lot, is over in Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And so he's just hoping to get down. Okay, we could just get down to a couple. Maybe God will spare the whole place there. So now let's continue. We're going to jump over to chapter 19. And so what happens is the two angels go down to Sodom and Gomorrah. They meet up with Abraham's nephew Lot there. He takes them into their home. He's very kind to them. And then we take it up in verse 4 in chapter 19. Before they had gone to bed... All the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, no, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of, your wa- get out of our way, they replied. And they said, this fellow came here as an alien, and now he wants to play the judge? We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness, so that they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here, son-in-laws, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here, because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry of the Lord against his people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his son-in-laws, who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his son-in-laws thought he was joking. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hands in the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. And then Lot goes on and he asked the the angels, hey, can you not send me over to the mountain? Send me to this other place. And the angels go, okay, you go on over there. And we take it up in verse 23. It says, by the time Lot Rezor, the sun, had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew the cities and the entire plain, including all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot, his wife, looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land like smoke from a furnace. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham, and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. That's a crazy story, right? I mean, you can just imagine. I mean, we're, we're, we're picturing the scene, and the, all these guys from the town are knocking at the door, and Lot, Lot's just so afraid, he doesn't want to do He's offering up his two daughters. The guys want to get them. The men are struck with blindness. Uh, I, I mean, this is wild. And then burning sulfur comes down from heaven and burns the cities up. 
You know, it's a quick side note, which helps my, my belief in, in, in the Bible is that, you know, archaeo archaeological findings, for a long time, they, they thought, man, Sodom and Gomorrah, that, that place is just made up in the Bible. There is no place. We can't find it anywhere mentioned. Until one day, they actually went and they found these writings from a, a different people, and it had Sodom and Gomorrah in it, and the five other cities that are listed in the same exact order as it is in the Bible. And when they excavated the area, they saw, whoa, wait a second, this city, something happened, it was really big, because there's ashes on top of the ruins as if there was a fire. And the city where they dated back is right about the time in which, the, which we believe if we do our timing right of when this happened in the book of Genesis. You just go, wow. And it's the area to this day is still not inhabited. It's still, it's still just a plain area with all kind of stuff over it. That's just crazy. But we look at it and go, wow, this is, this is an amazing scene. But you know what? The drama doesn't stop there. Let's continue reading and let's finish off the chapter here, okay? Take it up in verse 30. Now let me warn you, it's a little disgusting, okay, what we're about to read if you're not familiar with it. Verse 30, Lot and his two daughters left Azor and settled in the mountains, for he was afraid to stay in Azor. He and his two daughters lived in a cave. One day the older daughter said to the younger, Our father is old and there is no man around here to lie with us, as is the custom all over the earth. Let's get our father to drink wine and then lie with him and preserve our family line through our father. That night, they got their father to drink wine and the older daughter went in and lay with him. He was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. And then the younger sister, she does the same thing afterwards. And we read in verse 36, So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The older daughter had a son, and she named him Moab. He is the father of the Moabites of today. The younger daughter also had a son, and she named him Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites of today. How did I get this text to preach off of? This is disgusting. This is nasty, but to me, I'm just floored. Wow. Whoa. Man, the Bible has some drama in there. This is soap opera type stuff. I grew up, you know, with my grandma and my mom, and they love soap operas. So I used to watch Channel 7 soap operas with them as a kid. General Hospital, All My Children, and One Life to Live. I knew all the characters, all that. My first crush was on the girl, she was a teenage girl in General Hospital. I mean, that's how I was, and they were, I used to watch these shows, I can't believe they actually let me watch them, because it was disgusting, some of the things that were going on. But you see this, you go, man, this is worse than a soap opera. It helps my belief, actually, in, in, in this being the word of God, because it's not just these cute little fairy tales. We see the flaws of some of the heroes in the Bible. Did you see a difference between those who live by faith and those who don't? There's two things that stand out to me as we look at this whole text here. And the first one is there is a difference to living by faith and not living by faith. And we see a huge difference between those who live by faith and those who didn't live by faith in the God of the Bible. We have Abraham. He lived by faith right there at the beginning. Now, he's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. 
But he lived by faith. And I believe when he failed or, or fell short, as we see, he repented, which means to change. He actually changed and he had to do a lot of repenting, but he lived by faith. And what do we see? God has a close relationship with him. God has plans for him, plans to bless him, plans to work through him. And we know that Abraham doesn't suffer the consequences of the surrounding areas. Now, he doesn't have an easy life, but he sure does have a better life than what we just read about. And then you look at the people who represent those who don't live by faith, Sodom and Gomorrah, and really most of Lot's family. They don't really live by faith in God. And what do we see? Sin just taking over the community. It's not just something that, oh, well, this is natural, this is part of life. No, it has taken over. It is a part of the culture. It is, it is weaved into the fabric of the community. And not just everyday sins that we can think of. Well, there might be a little bit of lying or, or stealing or cheating. I mean, this has gone wild. The town is getting together. And even in, in uh, Ezekiel chapter 16, or it might be chapter 19, it talks about how the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, they had all this sin, but also they were completely selfish. They were, it says, overfed, meaning they, they, were, they had too much, and they weren't kind to the poor. In fact, it says they showed contempt for the poor. And so not only did they have, obviously, this grievous sin that we read about here, but there was more going on. And we see, wow, this is what it's like when God is completely removed from people. When God is removed from our lives, we see foolish and sick things take place. Trusting their own wisdom, right? And now we see with Lot's daughters, hey, well, since everybody else has kids, and we, our husbands got, or our, our, our fiancés got burned up, Let's go ahead and have a family through our pops. That's thinking, thinking right there. They didn't trust God. Just wait a little bit. You're going to meet another man. You, you know what I'm saying? But they trust their own wisdom instead of God. And what do we see? Long-term suffering. We see judgment. The Moabites and the Ammonites... You know what? They became longtime enemies of God's people. And this is their inception. This is their beginning. And what they do, they have hostility and wars and battles with God's people after this. You know, but I can relate. And I'm sure all of us can. Can't you relate? Let's stay here for a second. The times when you live by faith in God and the times where you didn't live by faith in God. Is there a difference? Is there a difference in the outcome and the results of what took place? I know for me, as a Christian and before a Christian, there is a clear difference. I know when I lived by faith, actually following God, there was joy. It wasn't easy, but there was joy. There was peace. There was relief. There were blessings from God. Then the times when I didn't live by faith, there was pain, suffering, embarrassment, regret. And consequences that had long-term effects. Can you relate? 
When you live by faith and when you don't live by faith. I think obviously, I mean, let's just make some application now here. What do we need to do? We need to live by faith. We need to make sure that we live a life of obedience and a life that has a relationship with God Almighty. Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot's family. Do you really think they would have went down this path if they had a relationship with God? Do you really think they would have went down and had this type of story in their lives if they had been people of faith? No way. They might have had faith in God, but they didn't have faith that followed God. We even see Lot's daughters, right? And you think, well, they, they probably would have raised with Lot, so they have some type of faith in the God here of, of Abraham here. But what happens? They stopped in their faith. They cut short and decided, well, let's come up with our own ways. Let's not live by faith. Let's live by what we see. And if we don't have a relationship with God, I want to encourage you right now. It's time to go after it. And if we are saved to have a relationship with God, we need to continue in walking with him. Continue in obeying him. We got to keep close to God. If we keep close to God and we're connected with godly people, there's absolutely no way we will follow the example that we have here. The results will be vastly different. There's a difference between living by faith and not. The second thing I notice is that God's judgments are righteous and just. God's judgments are righteous and just. Look here again at Genesis 18 here, where Abraham is talking to God. And he says here, in verse, uh, verse 24, or, or take it up in 23, Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? There's so many ways we can read this here. And I, I don't think that Abraham is being offensive or disrespectful to God. I think he's having a conversation. He's trying to understand. He's wondering. He's asking. He's questioning God. Question, hey, hey, God, are you just? Is your, is your judgment going to be righteous? Is it going to be fair? And you and I, we ask that same question. We ask, is God's judgment going to be fair? Is it, is it really going to be right? And I think, first off, what we got to realize is God's the judge and we're not. I constantly hear, well, what about the little girl over in China? Or what about the little boy who's in Africa who's never heard? What is going to happen with them? Number one, I'm not God. So I can't answer your question. But I know that God is righteous and he's just. And God's going to make the judgment there. And number two, God will do the right thing. Yeah. We can trust that God is going to make the correct choice, the correct judgment. You see, when we question whether or not God is righteous or just in his judgments, really what I believe is, at the heart of it, it's either pride or ignorance. See, it's pride because we're thinking that we know best. God, there's no way you're going to judge this person because I wouldn't do that. 
Oh, God, God, you need to do this. You see, God is God, and we are not. And it's so prideful when we think that we can insert our opinion and lay claim that we know what would be right or what would be wrong in his judgment. It's arrogant. So we can't judge either way. Because it's God to judge and he is righteous and just. But also I believe we question and wonder because we're ignorant of God. We don't truly either have a relationship with God or we're very unfamiliar with his ways in the scriptures. And so we wonder, well, God, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with me? What are you going to do with them? And I don't know if that's going to be fair and this and that. It's because we're not familiar with his word. You see, we're not the judge, but God gives us some pretty clear instruction and direction and reveals his mind to us in the scriptures. We got to dig in there. We got to know God, trust God, and therefore we can rest at peace that he's going to make a righteous judgment. Again, having a relationship with him. And what do we see? God did judge accordingly. I mean, just look at what we saw in Genesis chapter 19. He destroyed the cities. But wait a second. He said he wouldn't if there was just 10 righteous people. All they needed was 10. And what happened? There weren't even 10 righteous people. I'm sure if we had just stopped in Genesis 18, we said, well, well, God, is this really fair? I mean, but what do we see in the actions of the people in Genesis 19? I think God knows what he's doing. We understand God is righteous and just. And so what's the lesson for us today as we look, as we listen? Well, God will again judge. And he will judge righteously and justly. Turn with me over to 2 Peter chapter 2. Are you guys with me here? Nobody likes talking about God's judgment. So imagine preaching about it. 2 Peter chapter 2. Give me an amen when you get there. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 4. God is using the apostle Peter here and he's addressing a little bit of false teachers that are going to come and distort God's people here. And he says something in verse 4 here that we're going to read all the way down to uh, verse 10. And it says, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, when sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment... If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, for that righteous man, living among them day after day, was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the sinful nature and despise authority. It says there, 
an example. When he mentions Sodom and Gomorrah, it's an example of what is going to happen. You see, God is going to judge the ungodly. But he is going to save the righteous. He is going to save his people. Now this is not an if and maybe possible. No, it is certain. God will judge. And we say, well, who's the ungodly then? All of those outside of Christ. Look at Romans chapter 8. I know some of you don't believe me. So let's look at Romans chapter 8 here. Don't get quiet on me now. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Still here, so pages flip it. Give me an amen when you get there. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation for those who are what? In Christ Jesus. So what does that mean then? Those who are outside of Christ Jesus will be condemned. It says, but those who are in Christ Jesus will not suffer this. And so all of us who are saved, we should be saying hallelujah. This should fire us up. Now, it's a sobering thought. But if we're right with God, then this is not scary. If you're right with God, you are fired up about where you stand with him and before him. But I do want to make one side note here about all of us who are sure of our salvation. We are not saved because we are less sinful than other people. We are not saved because we have done enough righteous acts. We are saved solely by the blood of Jesus Christ. If you continue reading Romans 8, we don't have time here. But he says here, and we understand, because Christ fulfilled all righteousness. So understand here the logic here, okay? Because Christ fulfilled all righteousness, he is completely righteous and holy. So those who are in him are now what? Completely righteous and holy. It's not because we did anything. Well, you should have saw me. I made a change in my life. You didn't earn anything. It's because Jesus shed his blood. And when we come spiritually in contact with his sanctifying blood through faith and through the waters of baptism, that's when we enjoy eternal life with God starting here and now. So we are not saved by ourselves. It is solely by Christ. And we can say hallelujah for that. But those who are not in Christ will be condemned. This is why it is so important that, that you and I, and we help others, accept God's grace and make Jesus Lord, that they repent and get baptized. Why? Because God is going to judge all those outside of Christ. I don't know about you, but that, that, that makes me want to preach the word more. It makes me want to save people out of the fire. It makes me want to say, don't look back. Don't be like Lot's wife. Keep walking toward the lights. And I want to encourage you again, if you're not, and if you know you're not in the right relationship, a saving relationship with God, there's no better time than today to make that decision. 
Here's the question for the hour. Are you ready for judgment? Are you ready for judgment? If God were to judge today, would you be punished or saved? You see, for a number of us, we have to ask ourselves as we, as we answer that question. And I think here's the practical application here. It, it's today is to ask if this applies to you. Do I want to face God's judgment? And if you do not want to face God's judgment, make a decision to get help to get right with God. Make a decision today to get help and to get to know God. God's not going to punish his people. He's going to bring them home with him. And if you don't want to face God's judgment, get to know how good he is to his people. For others, ask yourself, am I living like I'm saved from judgment? Am I living like I'm saved from judgment? Is Jesus still Lord of my life? Not a part of my life, but my life. He is the sole ruler, commander, president, CEO, controller of my life. Am I still seeking him, his kingdom, and his righteousness? Or have I taken over a little bit? Just a tad. I, I, I just want this in my life. God, you can have 99.5%. Just give me that 0.5 though. Are you still living like you're saved from judgment? Helping others for the day of judgment. Those inside the church and those outside. You see, we should be having conversations out of love, out of concern for those who we know aren't doing well spiritually. And be able to say, bro, I love you. Sis, I love you. Here are some things that I see. And I don't want you to go down the wrong path. And if we're on the receiving end of those conversations, we should humbly and thankfully accept those and learn from them. Sometimes we allow our old pride to resurrect itself. Who are you to say that to me? Man, what are you talking about? I've been in the church for so and so long. Did you see what I did back in 1994? <laughs> Man, I just prayed last week. How are you going to tell me I'm not doing well spiritually? And we defend ourselves. Or we'll say, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then go and do nothing with the love that the people expressed. It should inspire us to be involved in each other's lives. To radically love one another. To passionately love God. And to relentlessly share his word with the lost world. We can look out at our neighbors, our friends, our families. We should be earnestly praying. I mean, that's what Abraham did. He prayed. He, didn't, he knew that Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't a good city. That's why he started off at just 50. He's like, I can't even say 5,000 or 500 because I know, I know of that city. But he's praying for them. We got to be praying for people. And then we need to go out and share the good news. It says here in 2 Peter that the ungodly are going to be judged. That Sodom and Gomorrah are an example for you and I to learn from. We need to look 
listen and learn. Look what has happened in history. Listen to what God says will happen. You know, he told Abraham out of love, out of a relationship, and God is telling us today out of love and out of our relationship with him. We need to learn so that we can be guided by the truth, so that we can apply it to our lives and God can now work through us to help many souls and help our own. God will judge again. Next time, it's going to be the final one and for all people. The ungodly will be punished, but the godly, his people, those who are in Christ Jesus, will be saved. Don't worry about whether or not it's going to be fair. Because God is fair. God is righteous and he's just. We know his judgment is going to be the right thing. We see the results of what it's like to live by faith and what it's like to not. I pray that we live by faith and we are ready for God's judgment. Let's close out in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, I believe, sums up our lesson here as we look, listen, and learn from Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham, Lot, and his family. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, it says, All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you, because you believed our testimony to you. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may count you worthy of his calling, and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this. So that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him. According to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, let's look, listen, and learn. Amen.